Senor Tony. Can you help me with this? Okay, announcements today. Basketball is starting on Saturday mornings. Contact Jerry for information. On Saturdays, Albert, who is uh, playing the djembe up here, boom, 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 uh, over here, is uh, in the subways uh, every uh, Saturday. Not this Saturday, but going forward, he's going to be in the subways uh, playing music. Uh, every Saturday from about 2 to 5. And he's looking for people just to be there with him. Uh, not to necessarily hand out tracts or even talk with people. Just to, uh, uh, all he needs is like a single person to sit there and pray with him. The Bible says that Jesus sent people out in twos. That's because when we go all by ourselves, uh, Satan has a way of just crushing us uh, under, his, under his foot. And so um, we're really excited about this ministry. Uh, they have been going out for a while, and just, there's just been really a, a great spirit. And there's just something about being a light, just being a light out there and just being present out there. And that's what um, Albert has expressed his heart to me, just... Uh, just uh, developing that presence of the Lord and of his people in the city. So what he'd like to do is maybe once a month, uh, if you're interested in going out with him once a month or something like that, uh, he'd like to uh, sort of develop a schedule. There's a sign-up sheet in the back. I believe right now it's empty. Consider just signing up and just going out and just being there uh, with him, just in a chair near where he's playing uh, once a month. There's other musicians as well. If you're a musician and you'd like to go, uh, that's fine as well. But he's really been blessing uh, the people. And we really feel like this is uh, something that the, the, the Lord uh, is doing. As well, uh, remember that we have sign up in the back for the uh, open uh, the, uh, the annual vacation Bible school over at uh, Alice Hayward Taylor. That's going to be from June 22nd to uh, June 26th. If you came into parking this morning, you probably saw that there uh, were basically a big old sign in the way, and that happens from time to time. We, there's free parking also over the street on 375 Longwood. Kind of nice when it happens when it's uh, 75 degrees and it's not zero degrees in January, but uh, it's a nice walk over there. Also, remember these. Uh, for, for those of you who weren't here Mother's Day, we all took our baby bottles home uh, for a woman's concern to uh, pack them up with uh, big, big coins uh, for a woman's concern. It's a crisis pregnancy center. We're bringing them back on Father's Day. Please remember them. If you haven't picked one up, I believe we have some extras uh, in the back. Okay, if your cell phone is off uh, or cell phone is on, Please turn it off. We don't want a distraction from the Word of God. Please open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. To the book of Hebrews, we are going to be in uh, chapter 6, although we're going to start this morning uh, in verse 9 of chapter 5. And by the way, I always knew this would happen one day on a Sunday sermon, and it finally happened seven years into the church. 
I forgot my notes. And so you can pray for me. And someone's probably going to come up here in the middle of the service and give me my notes. So uh, uh, anyway, Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Why don't you stand as we read, read uh, God's, God's word here. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9. Speaking of Jesus, it says here, And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrines of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Let's pray. Father, I thank you uh, just for this morning being able to get together, Lord God, and uh, enjoy each other and enjoy you, Lord, to be able to get together and uh, release Marie and Ritu uh, to do your work. We pray your hand over uh, their mission, their ministry, their lives with you. Father, we thank you for them. We also thank you with, for your word, which has built them up and to be the young women of God they are, Lord, and that's what we want you to do with us this morning, Lord, build us up in your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you may be seated. So, Hebrews 5, verse 9, speaking of Jesus, says, and having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priests according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness for he is a babe. And this is where we uh, left off last week here in, uh, at the end of chapter 5 where we find out for the first time that there's an issue with these people. These people have an issue. And, you know, the, as we've talked about, the Hebrews, the, the Jews, Christians who received this letter, they had had their possessions taken from them because of their faith. 
their families had forsaken many of them, as actually Jewish families, Orthodox Jewish families, do to this day for people who uh, convert to Christ. They had been uh, thrown out of the temple, and the temple was just the center of, of community life there. And they were discouraged. They were really discouraged. And, and I find it really interesting that in this state of pretty serious discouragement and sorrow, the writer comes in here after sort of introducing some other things, and he gets right to what he feels the real issue is. You guys have become dull of hearing. You've been ignoring the word of God. You're, you're babes. You ought to be teachers by now. Uh, you're on milk. You're on formula. And you should be on solid food. And you know, this is what I love about the Word of God. It's just so black and white. It's so brutally honest with us. You know, many times we get in counseling sessions and, and people are in front of me, a man or a woman or a, you know, a married couple is in front of us and, and they are in a distressing situation, but it becomes evident that there's a reason for it. And I think to myself, man, I need to confront these people. I need to confront this man. I need to confront this woman. But I'm like, but they're so, they're so depressed. They're so discouraged. Man, if I, if I try to confront them with an issue or something, they may just crumple up right in front of me. But one of the things that I've learned from the Word of God that I need to do in counseling, just as the Word of God does to me, is, is I need to get to the issue. You know, we tend to think when, when people are in a, a state of incredible depression or sorrow, uh, we tend to think, well, you know, uh, the, 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 all the circumstances that are in their life right now, they have a right to be depressed. They have a right to, you know, hold on to their discouragement, even though it's been months and months and months and months. Or they have a right to carry on, carry and lay hold of this sin that they're carrying on. So, you know, I, I, I'm not going to really mess with their issues. I'm just going to sort of pat them on the back and have, have, feel sorry for them. But that's not how God works. And you see here at the, you know, in this letter, granted, uh, he, he introduced a number of other things before getting to this place. He's saying, look, I, I'm getting to the real issue here. You guys are dull of hearing. That word dull in the Greek means, what did we talk about last week? Lazy, slothful. They'd been hearing from the Word of God, and they hadn't been owning it. They hadn't been, it hadn't been registering in their minds. It, it, and, 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 and as a result, they were actually choosing to stay in the state of discouragement and dis- depression. So many times, you know, uh, in my life, I've, I've been in this cave of sorrow and depression only for the Lord to tell me, you know, Steve, you're choosing to stay where you're at. Sure, you have plenty of reason to be depressed, but you know that I have a different plan for you. And, and that's what uh, is going on here. And he's telling them, look, you gotta, you've been just chewing on your Christian ABCs for so long. And you've been chewing on ABCs and chewing on ABCs and chewing on ABCs and you haven't gone on. And you need to move on. 
And it, 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 again, it says, um, in, in, so in, in, in verse 1 here, it says in chapter 6, it says, therefore, you need to leave the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ. You need to move on from that. And you need to, it says, let us go on to perfection. Now, no one is ever perfect or reaches a state of perfection this side of heaven. But this word here, perfection, it means mature. It means full of age. And, 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 it, and it says you need to leave your Christian ABCs and you, need to, and you need to move on. You know, I started off when I was saved when I was 24 years of age and I started off in a church which every single Sunday, it seemed, every single Sunday morning, I heard the same message over and over and over again. It was the gospel message that I needed Jesus, that I'm a sinner, that Jesus is knocking at the door of my heart. I need to open up, I need to repent, I need to open up my heart, and I need to let him in. And you know, that's a really critical message. But when you hear it in a church, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and they never move on, the preacher never moves on, what you wind up getting is a church filled with people who are walking around in their diapers and they're spitting up, uh, they're burping up their meals on each other's faces, pooping in their pants, spitting applesauce at each other. That's what, that's what happens. And, and, and that's what he's telling them. He goes, you guys, are, you're living in your, your diapers here and, and, and that's why you're, you're filled with this discouragement and, and self-pity. And, you know, that's a hard thing for us to just take responsibility for the fact that, you know, that's true. I need to choose to move on. And, and, and anyway, anyway, he goes on to, in, in sort of complicated language here, he goes on right here in verses 1 through 4 to, to basically say, you guys have just been getting these Christian ABCs. It's the Roman road. It's the, you know, the gospel message, and that's all you've been uh, chewing on. So let's read here. It says, let us go on to perfection. This is middle of the way through verse 1. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. What he's saying is that the, these things are the only things that you guys know about. It's the only stuff that you've been chewing on for the last however many years. And this is essentially, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Let's list them one by one. He says, uh, first he goes, the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. And that's this very simple gospel message that, that you can't work your way into heaven. You, there's no such thing as a person by good works ever getting into heaven. Because there is only one work that was necessary for us to get into heaven. And that was the good work, the one work that Jesus accomplished on the cross. You just need to have faith in that and be saved. 
So that's the, the first one he brings up. Verse 2 of the doctrine of baptisms. After you're saved, you need to be baptized. Number three in, uh, mentioned here in verse 2 of the laying on of hands. Meaning after, uh, after you're saved and baptized, you need to go out and you need to use your spiritual gifts as they're recognized by the leaders of your church. And you go, need to go out and you need to serve God. This is a gospel message. You're not saved by works. You're saved for works. And then it it goes on to say um, of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal uh, judgment, meaning that um, Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. He was resurrected to give us life and save us from eternal judgment. And he's saying, that's all you guys have been chewing on. You know, you need to go on to much better things. It's why you're so anemic in your faith. It's why you're so weak in your faith. Turn, turn with me just back a couple of chapters to chapter 4, verse 12. And we spent a lot of time on this verse. But let me tell you, there's, you know, as you become students of the Bible, you, you will recognize that there are certain verses in the Bible where the chapters before them are leading up to it and the chapters after them follow them. Okay, you want to come up and give me my notes? This is my son, Sam. Thank you, Sam. Good work. Good job. <laughs> He's sweaty. You're sweating, Sam. Why are you sweating? <laughs> okay. So let me get these notes ready. Pretend you never saw this. <laughs> Pretend you're just like in a little dream right now and you're not looking at this right now. I'm a very organized person. So I got my notes all ready. So where am I here? Where am I here? Yeah. Better take this little part off the radio. Um, so if you go to chapter 4, verse um, 12, right here it says what? It says we spent so much time in this, and for a good reason. It says, for the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. And, and you know, this verse, all the, ch- the two chapters before it revolve around it, the two chapters after revolve around it. The word of God is living and powerful it's sharper than any two-edged sword, uh, piercing even the division of a soul and spirit, and you need to make it your best friend. You know, chapter 6, again, verse 1 and 2, tell us that we need to move on from the basics and make it your best friend. Otherwise, it's not going to be able to be that living and powerful and do the living and powerful work in your life. And so that's the message that this writer is, is telling them right here. Move on from the basics and on to maturity. And verse 3 of chapter 6 says, And this we will do if God permits. Meaning that is, we're going to move on and you guys are going to move on from baby food to solid food and allow God to change you from the inside out. Okay. Now, buckle up and put your seatbelts on, okay, every one of you, because 
verses 4 through 6 are some serious, intense, heavy verses. Some of the most controversial verses in the Bible. People have been banging each other over the head with these verses for centuries. And we're just about to read them. Don't read ahead. Wait a second. Don't read ahead. Okay. I see some back there, you know, reading ahead. Uh, but, but, but seriously, some of the most terribly misunderstood and misapplied verses in the Bible. We don't skip over them, by the way. Uh, Calvary Chapel, chapter by chapel, verse by verse. Some churches skip over them. Other churches, this is the only verses they want to talk about uh, to, to keep people in fear. Verse 4, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened... And have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. Again, verse 4 for it is impossible, it's speaking of a, a, a certain class of people, it is, it's impossible once they have been enlightened and tasted the heavenly gift, partaken of the Holy Spirit, tasted the good word of God, if they fall away to come back. That's what these verses are saying. Now, what happens many times uh, with this verse is someone is merrily going through, reading the Word of God. They're like, oh, this is just so encouraging. And they're reading all about Jesus. And they're just going right through Paul's letters in Hebrews chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 2, 3, 4. And then they read these verses and they go, what? This is describing me. This must mean I'm going to hell. I mean, I was once enlightened. I tasted of the Word of God, the heavenly gift. And I fell away. And this is saying I can't come back. And they just freak out. And if, if you're one of those people this morning, this is what I have to say to you. Stop it. Stop. Stop right there. Let's just cool out and let's talk about, in context, what these verses are about. First of all, the Bible is full from cover to cover of stories of God's children rejecting him for a season after they have been enlightened and tasted of his word and of his Holy Spirit. Filled with it. One of the most common words in the Bible is the word return. God pleading with his people, would you please return? I love you. I died for you. Please return to me. The story of the prodigal son in Luke 15, is that God's children can backslide big time. The guy took his entire dad's inheritance, his dad who had been pouring his life and the word of God into him his whole life, he takes his whole inheritance and goes and spends it on prostitutes and booze. And, and what the Bible says, what happened when he uh, came back, Luke 15 verse 20 says that upon his uh, son's return, the father, who represents God, remember, ran and fell on his son's neck. 
Hebrews 4.16, we just uh, read this a couple weeks ago, spent some time in that verse as well. It says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Why do we need mercy and grace? Because we mess up so terribly. We stumble so bad. And we thank God that the door to his mercy and grace, as it says in Hebrews 4.16, just the chap- two chapters before, it says it's open and we can go there and receive grace. What is grace? Grace is getting what we don't deserve. You know, here at Calvary Chapel in the city, we're right in the middle of a hospital district, as many of you know. And every day, surgeons uh, open up people's hearts, and in a life and death situation, they perform an operation. It's happening right now, within 100 yards of us, 100, 200 yards. Now, because the surgeons are human, Some of the operations are successful, and some are not. But listen, when God operates, when he does an operation on your heart, he doesn't make mistakes. You don't find out two years or ten years or twenty years after God does an operation on your heart that he made a mistake. When a man or woman comes to Jesus... And they say, Lord, I'm lost. I need you to save me. Come into my life and change my heart. God, the Bible says that God does come in and an operation does take place. And it's a totally successful one. And no matter how many times you fall away. And by the way, the Lord's will for you is for you not to fall away. But sometimes that does happen. No matter how many times you fall away. You can always come back, like any other child. You're a child. He's your father. The Bible says when he operates, there's a heart transplant. He gives us a new heart, Ezekiel 36, 26. One of my favorite uh, verses since the time I was a uh, a young uh, Christian. I will take the heart of stone out of you and give you a heart of flesh. Jeremiah 24, 7. I will give you a new heart, a heart to know me. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. The old is gone. The new has come. Listen, you don't have to worry that at some point your heart operation is going to fall apart. You don't, have, that his, you don't have to worry that his work of salvation of your life will fail. 1 Peter 1.4 says that when you are saved, he gives you an inheritance, and I quote, that will never perish, spoil, or fade. The New King James Version says an incorruptible uh, inheritance could be translated indestructible, meaning that your salvation, your faith is not something that can be lost. Uh, We saw that in our study of the book of Job. Uh, We may think our faith is fragile. It's not. Why? Because God manufactured it. You didn't manufacture your own faith. God manufactured it. The Bible says we are saved by grace through faith, and it's not your, your own. It's the gift of God. What God gives you is incorruptible. It's indestructible.
1 Peter 1, 4 says it is safeguarded in heaven by God. Jesus says of his sheep in John 10, 18, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Sounds pretty obvious to me. It's the same thing in the Greek, by the way. Never perish means never perish. English, Greek, Russian, whatever language. 2 Corinthians 1.22 says that when God saves you, your salvation is sealed and he gives you the Holy Spirit in your heart as a what? As a guarantee. Ephesians 1.13.14 says the exact same thing, that when you are saved, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of your inheritance. The guarantee. Philippians 1.6 says, he who began a good work in you will complete it. We read in Hebrews chapter 2 that Jesus is the captain of your salvation. Actually, uses that word, captain, meaning he will take the ship of your life safely, the ship of your life safely from this very room right on into eternity. Jesus said in John 14, my peace I leave you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Now, how can anyone have any peace or rest wondering whether or not they have a full assurance of God's salvation in their life. You know, 1 John 5.13 says this. Listen carefully. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. That you may know. Can I repeat that? Does anyone mind if I repeat that? It's an important verse. These things have I written unto you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. God loves you. He doesn't want you wandering through life, wondering whether your salvation is secure. There's no kind of peace. We talked in Hebrews chapter 2 and 3 about God's rest. What kind of rest is there apart from the security, knowing that Jesus did everything that was necessary for me to get my salvation and keep it? We can't work our way into heaven. We can't work our way out. That's what grace is all about. That's why the message of grace is so dangerous. People say, you can't, you can't preach that. If you do, people will go off and start living like devils. Let me tell you, if they have been truly saved, they may be living like a devil for a season, but they will come back to their Lord. So what is Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 through 6 talking about when it says, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have been become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come if they fall away to renew again to repent. What, what, what is that talking about? Actually, it's really, really simple. It couldn't possibly be any simpler. I see this all the time. Someone comes into a church, they come into the body of Christ, and they discover things that they have never seen before. They see things that they have never seen before. They hear things that they have never seen before. 
the experience, they experience things that, uh, that they've never uh, experienced before. And, and, and that's what happens when a man or woman comes into the contact with the word of God, the love of Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what happens. No da. <laughs> Uh, you know, excuse the expression. When you come into contact with God, you're, you, you, there will be a certain enlightenment that happens. You will partake of the Holy Spirit. You will experience, as it says, the heavenly gift. You'll, you'll get a taste of it. And I see this over and over and over again. You know, someone comes in uh, to the body of Christ and they may be in a, of, of a place of, of hurt in uh, their life and... Uh, they're like, wow, this is awesome. They, they uh, you know, may uh, come to the altar and have, uh, even say a prayer, giving their life to Jesus. But they've never really had that experience with the Lord. Now, I, I uh, also forgot something else in addition to my notes. <laughs> I, I have this um, article. Wait, do I have that? Maybe I have that. Oh, wow. Oh, no, this is money. That's not it. I thought maybe I put it in my pocket. Um, there, I just read this um, book review. Oh, wow, here it is. What am I doing here? So I just... <laughs> Thanks for praying for me. All you guys are out there praying for me in, in your seats out there. Um, I just read this book review. It's, it's called... Losing My Religion, How I Lost My Faith, Reporting on Religion in America, and Found Unexpected Peace. And it's by a person, a man by the name of William Lobdell. And he said when he was about 28 years old that uh, he couldn't stand the person he had become. He was a drunk, he was a philanderer, means someone who just went from woman to woman to woman. And he afterward professed faith in Christ, and then he asked his employer, the Los Angeles Times, if he could write about religion, and, um, and so he did for a decade, and he reported on basically all the clergy sex scandals, and that they just disgusted him. And after 10 years, he, he basically, he renounced his, his faith. And if you go through the book, the book review is really interesting. His whole reason is, is being let down by the church being let down by the church. What's absent in here, what's absent in the book is being let down by Jesus Christ. That's noticeably absent in this book. A person with a saving faith knows that Jesus never has let them down and he never will. Jesus said this. He said in his word, he, said, he says, he who saves his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will keep it for eternal life. A man or, or woman, listen, who loses their life for Jesus. In other words, they don't just come to Jesus to have a happy Jesus experience. Their, their life is a mess. They want to get happy. They want to somehow release all their unhappiness. Yes, you know, they don't just come to Jesus for that reason and, and, and are on an emotional high. No, they obey Jesus' words here. They lose their life for him. They give Jesus their mind, their heart, and their, and their strength 
and their dreams. The Bible says it is that person and only that person who the Holy Spirit comes in and occupies their life, transforms them, and they have a saving faith, a saving faith that realizes Jesus has never let me down. The church will let you down. Christians will let you down. But Jesus will never let you down, and that's what a saving faith supremely understands. There may be doubts in your life. There may be seasons of darkness, unbelief, backslidings. But at the end of the day, you know, you know, even if you tried to turn your back on God, you couldn't. And God does that work in your life. That's what a saving faith is all about. Turn with me to Matthew 13. We'll close sort of with this. Matthew 13. Very familiar parable. Matthew 13. That's about 100 pages to the left. Matthew 13, verse 1, on the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea and a great multitude were gathered together to him he, so that he got into a boat and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore and he spoke many things in parables saying this, behold, a sower went out to sow and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched and because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among thorns and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty Psalm 30, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So his disciples asked him what it, uh, the parable meant, and he explains it in verse 18. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, and he endures for a while, for when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. So this writer of the Los Angeles Times, this is him. This is him. He had this emotional experience because he had all this stuff going on uh, in his life. But as, uh, as Jesus says here, uh, describing him, verse 21, he has no root in himself. In other words, the saving faith hadn't happened. He hadn't really given his, himself to the Lord. 
Verse 22, now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who uh, hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the world, rather the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some at a hundredfold, some sixty and Psalm 30. Now turn back to Hebrews 6. And I think that the following verses will make now all the sense uh, in the world to you here. So after Jesus, uh, rather after the writer of the Hebrews uh, in chapters 6, verses 4 through uh, 6, describes this person who's been enlightened They've tasted the heavenly gift. They've been a partaker of the Holy Spirit. They've tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. Uh, that He says this in verse 7. He says, For the earth drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those who, uh, by whom it's cultivated, receives blessings from God. In other words, some who, someone who's really saved will bear fruit. They will bear herbs useful for those who, by whom it is cultivated. But, verse 8, if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. So what this is saying is simply this. Jesus in Matthew 7, 17 says the same thing. Every good tree bears good fruit, and every bad tree bears bad fruit. That's actually a verse. Matthew seven seventeen. So what's going on in this chapter, in Hebrews chapter 6, is this. The message is this. If you have been chewing on your Christian ABCs for your entire life and you have never moved on, and there is no fruit in your life, Quite the opposite, there, you look at your life and there are just thorns and briars wherever you look. You need to take a really close examination of your relationship with Jesus. A really close one. Because there's a certain kind of person, this is the message of this chapter, that for years and years and years and years, they refuse to go along with the Lord. They've never been saved. They just like the taste of the Christian ABCs. They like the, the warmth, the glow, maybe from the body of Christ. And, and uh, there does reach a point, the Bible says. There reaches a point in such a person's life where God himself says, okay, have it your way, do your own thing. If you insist on living in your kingdom with your rules, your will, your um, ways, go for it. Have at it. And, and what happens is that they fall away. They reject the faith. They reject who Jesus is. And at that point, there's no room for repentance. Why? There's no more room for God in their heart. Why? They pushed him out. And so as we read the word of God, we need to read it in its context. If you've lost your life for Jesus' sake, 
your salvation is secure, but you need to move on with him. You need to move on. And, and so that's, that's what he's getting at in these verses. And then in verse 9, here's to me the thing, the, the verse that to me solidifies what these verses really mean. He says, but beloved, love that word beloved, but beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you, yes, things that accompany salvation. In other words, what he's describing in verses 4 through, uh, uh, through 6 are, are a group of people who have lived a life that, you know, there's no fruit in their life that accompanies salvation. But beloved, again, verse 9, we are confident of better things concerning you, yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. For God is not unjust to forget your work, and your labor of love which you have shown towards his name and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. In other words, there had been fruit in their life. So he's not just stopping his letter at the end of verse six. He's saying, this doesn't, I'm not really talking about you. There has been fruit in your life, but you need to be very careful with, you know, the, the direction your life has been taken. Is the message here. He says, uh, again, verse 10, For the God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which uh, you have shown towards his name, that you have ministered to the saints and do minister, just referring to the fruit in their life. Verse 11, And we desire that each one of you shall show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish. Same word as the word dull. That you become sluggish. That you, rather, that you do not become sluggish but imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit the promises. And so that's Hebrews chapter 6. This chapter's gotten a lot more airtime than it deserves. And it's a lot easier to understand when you know the full counsel of the Word of God. And you know something? It's a really good warning to, to your heart and to mine. And we all need to move on that we all need to move on and, and take our walk with the Lord really, really seriously. He gave everything for us and our response to him. I mean, you know, so, so one, one, one response that a person or a preacher may have to the teaching that I just taught again is, you know, what's the motive for going out and being a good person? Why would anyone, if what you're saying is true, Steve, that once a person puts a stake in the ground for Jesus, that their salvation is secure, why would anyone go out and do anything good? What's the motive for that? Well, Paul says in the book of Romans chapter 6, he says, what are you, crazy asking me that question? Why would I go back to live the life I had before? And then what he goes on, what Paul goes on to say is a person who knows their salvation is secure, the rest of their life is like a thank you note to God. Oh, God, thank you so much. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to love you, God. Why? Not because I'm trying to keep my salvation, but because of everything you've done for me. Grace is that good. 
That's what it does in our heart. It makes us, it motivates us. It motivates us to go out and love people and tell them about the Lord to, 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 and just serve them, wash their feet, wash their dishes, wash their uh, whatever, T-shirts or, or bed uh, covers, whatever. You know, you're just serving people around you because of what God has done in your life. Not because while I'm going out and serving, trying to keep my salvation. That's crazy. How can we add to anything that Jesus has done for us on the cross? Impossible. When the last words Jesus said on the cross were, it is finished. What was finished? All the work necessary to get us straight to heaven and to an eternal relationship with him. So, let's go out this week and respond to the Lord in love. Would the worship team come up? Why don't we uh, close in prayer? Father, we just thank you this morning for just the, the good work that you have done in our hearts, Lord. We thank you that when you did an operation on our hearts, it was a successful one. It was a complete one. It was a perfect one, Lord. We thank you that you're a a surgeon who is flawless. And as the song, as we sang the song before the service, Lord, lead us on that we may run hard after you, Lord. That's what we want. Lead us on. Father, I just pray for anyone in this room who does not have a full assurance of where the of where they would be if God forbid if Lord if if they were they died today I just pray Father that, that you know even as your word says that you've written the, the Bible that we may know have full assurance of eternal life I pray that you would do that work in their lives Lord where they have that peace and that rest and God for everyone Lord lead us on Lead me on, lead us all on, that we may run after you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I just want to remind you that we do have folks uh, up here after the service to pray with you. If you've never come to the place in your life where you have assurance of your salvation, please come up and, and pray. Okay, everyone rise for a closing worship song. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious tool. Not to give up, I'd be a fool. You are my all in all. So we sing, Jesus, never. Taking my sin, taking my sin, my cross, my shame, rising again, I bless your name, you are my all in all. 
When I fall down, you pick me up. When I am dry, you fill my cup. You are my all in all. So we sing, Jesus, the Lamb of God. Last verse again. Taking my sin, taking my sin, my cross, my shame. Rising again, I bless Your name. You are my all in all. When I fall down, when I fall down, You pick me up. When I am dry, You fill my cup. You are my all in all. And we sing, Jesus, the Lamb of God. Worthy is your name, Jesus, Lamb of God. Worthy is your name. Say it again, Jesus, Lamb of God. Worthy is your name, Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day. You're dismissed. Stand and lift up our